As you know, we've been in Matthew chapter 6. We started the series in chapter 5. We'll end it up probably in chapter, uh, in chapter chapter 6, verse 5 is where we started, and we'll end probably in 14. Tonight I want to look at verses 8 through 10. It's where Jesus said, when you pray, pray then like this. Again, remember, this is a fashion, this is a form, this is an outline that God gives to us. And he says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, which we looked at last week. We'll look at it a little more this evening. But tonight I want to focus on thy will be done. And all of that reminds us of what I taught last week, that it's all about him. Amen. And if it's not all about him, it should be. If you haven't made your day about him, make it all about him tonight. Amen. Because the reality is it's always all about him. It's about our father who is in heaven It's about his kingdom. It's about his will. It's about his glory and about his honor. And it's not about our glory or our honor. It's not about our kingdom. It's not about our will. It's all about our father, which is in heaven. Remember, like I taught last week, this is the submission. Verses 9 and 10 are the submissive portion of the prayer. It's the surrender portion of the prayer. It's where we empty ourselves of ourselves. How many of you know that from time to time we just got to empty ourselves of ourselves? Amen. Sometimes we got to empty ourselves of our pride. Sometimes we got to empty ourselves of pity. And sometimes we got to empty ourselves of sorrow or greed or something else that might not be like the Father. But this portion of the prayer is where we empty ourselves of ourselves just like Jesus did. Remember in Philippians 2 7, Paul tells us that Jesus poured himself out. He emptied himself and he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing for you and he made himself nothing for me. He emptied himself of his, of, of himself, especially for the Father. Amen? And it's exactly what this portion of prayer does. It empties us. This is where we say, you're the potter and I am the clay. This is where we wave the the white flag of surrender and we submit to his rule and his reign instead of our own or anyone else's. The truth is this portion of prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is where we decrease so he can increase. How many of you know he can't increase until we decrease? He can't get bigger in our lives until we get smaller. So this is the portion of prayer where we decrease so that he can increase in our lives. Take it a little bit farther. This is where I die so that Christ might live within me. You see, the reality is even in your prayer life, you have to die. Even in my prayer life, I have to die. It's so that, so that God's will can be done. God's will has to be done in our prayer life just like it has to be done in our personal life. And this is where we surrender our will. This is where I die so that Christ might live within me. This is where I die so God's will might be done in my life. This is where I die so God's will could be prayed in my life. And I'll get to that a little bit more, but your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a complete cry of surrender. Unfortunately, the problem with so many prayers today and so many Christian lives today is that they're full of self instead of full of surrender. But this is what God is calling us to do, not just in our prayer life. Our prayer life has to be surrendered to God, just like our personal Christian life has to be surrendered to God. 
And the sad reality is it's why God isn't hearing us today as He used to hear us or should hear us. And it's why He's not helping us or even healing our land. Because the Word of God tells me, if my people, God said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, meaning if my people who are called by my name would empty themselves and pray, be willing to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he will hear from heaven and then he will help us and then he, then he will heal our land. So if you need healing in your land, if you need healing in your marriage, if you need healing in your finances, if you need healing in your mind, it all begins with this portion of prayer. It all begins with surrender. It all begins with us emptying ourselves of our will so that God's will can be done in our lives. Amen? So we always have to have this at the heart of every prayer. It's not about us. It's about God. It's not about my wants or my desires or my will. It's all about God's will, church. If we want healing in our household, healing in our lives, we must include this in our, in our spiritual prayer. The truth is, if we want God to hear the rest of the prayer, if we want God to hear, uh, beyond, hear us beyond verses 9 and 10, if we want Him to hear the us part of our prayer, if we want God to hear... Give us this day our daily bread. If we want God to hear, forgive us of our sins. I call it the us part of the prayer. If we want God to hear, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, then what do we have to do first? We have to surrender our will. We have to be willing to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He will never hear the us portion of our prayers until we make it all about him. And that has to be at the heart of our prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's exactly why Jesus prayed this and he included in part of his, his, his design. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the reality is Jesus had, let me give you this little nugget. Jesus included on earth as it is in heaven for a reason. I'll give you some outline. But the reality is it's easy for us to simply pray, Thy will be done. It's easy for us to pray, Thy will be done. Thy will be done out there. Thy will be done in the community. Thy will be done among the, in the church. Thy will be done. But it's a, it's a different level of prayer. And it's a different level of our Christian life when we're willing to say, Thy will be done in me. It's, it's a different level of prayer and it's a different prayer altogether for us to just say, thy kingdom come or thy will be done. But we need to make it personal. We need to bring it down to earth and we need to bring it into our life and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is in heaven, in your life as it is in heaven. You see, God has a will that's already been designed in heaven for you and for me. He's already willed something for your marriage or your relationship or your ministry. And what our prayer needs to be is for God's will that's been designed and established in heaven to be accomplished here on earth. But not just on earth, but in our life as well. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my life as it has been designed in heaven. That's why Jesus said, pray then like this, because it's not about our kingdom coming, it's about his it's not about our will being done. It's about His will being done. Where? In you and in me. 
Not just out there, but in you and in me. Jesus always makes it personal. What we have to understand is that for His kingdom to come, ours must come to an end. I know that's a hard truth to grasp, and it's a hard thing for us to, to, to live. This is the most difficult portion of the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the most difficult portion of the prayer, and it's the most difficult portion of our Christian faith. Because for Jesus' kingdom to come, ours must come to an end. Our rule has to come to an end. For you to pray this and for you to live this, it means my kingdom is about to come to an end. My rule is about to come to an end. My reign is about to come to an end. It is, a, it is the cry of complete surrender. It is, like the, it is like one king coming to another king with their kingdom who needs protection, needs provision, needs something. They must surrender to the, the greater king in order to be covered by that king. And they wave the white flag of surrender. And guess what they have to do? they got to surrender their kingdom and their will. When we pray this, it's exactly what we're doing. We're waving the white flag and saying, God, my kingdom's come to an end. I'm tired of fighting on my own. I'm, trying, I'm tired of providing on my own. I'm, tried, I'm tired of doing it all on my own. Right now, I'm bringing my kingdom to an end. Thy kingdom coming. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That's what this portion of prayer means, church. And it can't just be part of our prayer life. It has to be part of our Christian life. For His kingdom to come, our kingdom has to come to an end. Our rule and our reign has to come to an end. And that's the hardest part of our prayer life. It's the hardest part of our Christian life as well. But it is it releases... The greatness and the goodness of God's kingdom and the power of God's kingdom into our life. If we don't pray that portion of the prayer, don't expect His kingdom to come into your life. Don't expect His provision. Don't expect His protection. Don't expect the goodness and the strength and the power and the authority of His kingdom to be loosed in your life unless you're willing to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, church. Please understand, Jesus didn't just pray this prayer. He lived this prayer. Y'all should well know that Jesus surrendered His kingdom and He surrendered His throne. You know as well as I do, for Him to be made flesh, for Him to come down to earth and dwell among us, He had to surrender His kingdom and He had to surrender His throne. Jesus took off His crown. Jesus stepped off His throne of glory. Jesus took off His royal robe. Jesus laid down His scepter of sovereignty. All of those things He took off and He laid down. He surrendered His rightful place at the right hand of the Father in the kingdom of glory so that He could come down and save us from our sins. He laid all of those things down and He surrendered His scepter of sovereignty in order to do the Father's will which was to come and save us from our sins, church. And even though He came as the Son of God, the Bible tells us He did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, something that He could attain, something that He could grab hold of, but He emptied Himself. He poured Himself out, the Bible says, and He made Himself nothing. He became flesh like us. He made Himself nothing and He became flesh like us. 
I don't know if you understand what that's telling us, but that's telling us that you and I are nothing without Jesus Christ. He made Himself nothing and became like us. Guess what? We are nothing but dust outside of Jesus Christ. We are empty. We are powerless. We are useless. We are nothing without Jesus Christ. But what did Jesus do? He made Himself nothing just like us in order to accomplish the will of the Father. His life was this prayer. He didn't just ask us to pray it and give us some words. He set the example Himself. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Was Jesus' entire life and it was His ministry. It wasn't just pretty words that He taught on the side of a hill one day. He emptied Himself for you and for me. And now He calls us to do the same exact thing because we are to be a representation of Him as well. We are to be a representation of the kingdom of God here on earth. And unless we're willing to pray that prayer that Jesus prayed and live the life that Jesus lived, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. His kingdom won't come. We are the ones His kingdom comes through. We are the one His kingdom operates through. He pours His power into us. He pours His anointing into us. He pours His glory into us. He pours pours Himself into us, church. But guess what? He won't pour into that which is full of itself. That's why this portion of the prayer is so important. We must empty ourselves with this thing. We must empty ourselves of our will so His will can be done. You see, He made Himself nothing and instead of walking the earth as King, instead of walking the earth as King, He walked the earth as a servant. A servant for you. The servant for me, but ultimately it was a servant for the Father. He never put Himself above the Father's kingdom. He never put Himself above the Father's will. Every step that He took, every deed that He did, every word that He spoke was ordered by His Father. And He dared not do any of those lest His Father told Him to. What an example for us to follow. Every step that we take being ordered by the Father... Every word that we speak being ordered by the Father. Every thought that we think being ordered by the Father. Every word of, that we speak to some other individual ordered by the Father. It's exactly what Jesus did and it's what God calls us to do. But we cannot do that lest we pray this portion of the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember, Jesus could have easily ridden into Jerusalem on a white horse as a conquering king. It's what the Jews thought He would do. It's what the Jews wanted Him to do because they were so oppressed and they thought that the Messiah would come riding in on a white horse as a conquering king. But He came in riding on a humble donkey instead. Why? Because the Father's Father's will wasn't done yet. And I'll get to that in a little bit. 
But he came riding in on a donkey church, on that, a, a symbol of humility, because the Father's will was not done yet. There's coming a day when he'll ride in on a white horse. There's coming a day when he'll come as conquering king. There's coming a day when he will set the oppressed free. There's coming a day when he will sit on the throne of David and rule and reign, church. But this wasn't the day. His father's will was not done yet. So he could not ride in on a horse. And he could not ride in as conquering king. He came in as a servant demonstrating that he was yielded to his father. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Didn't matter what anybody else said. He was doing the will of the Father, and riding on a donkey was a sign of being yielded to the Father. He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It was part of his life and not just part of his prayer. And it has to be more than empty words for us as well. The reality is, we have enough empty prayers. But we don't have enough empty vessels, church, that the Lord can fill with his goodness. And the Lord can fill with His power. And the Lord can fill with His anointing. And the Lord can fill with His glory, church. We don't have enough empty vessels that are willing to say, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I'm waving the white flag of surrender. I'm, I'm, I'm allowing my kingdom to crumble so Your kingdom can come into my life. So Your will can be done in my life. We've got enough empty prayers we need some empty vessels that are willing to be, be emptied so that God can fill them up, church. We don't have enough individuals that are willing to say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have enough individuals in the house of God that are willing to, to ride on a donkey so that God's will can be done in their life. We all want to ride around on white horses, church. Receive the glory But God has called us to walk this earth just like His Son did Jesus Christ, that of a servant. Too often we want to walk around like conquering kings, thinking we're all that in a bag of chips. we got to ride around on donkeys on this earth. That's what this portion of the prayer is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It means I'm here to do the will of the Father. And if i got to ride on a donkey, I'll ride on a donkey. This is what this means. It's all about His will and not my will. It's all about His kingdom and not my kingdom. His desires and His glory and not ours, church. The Word of God tells me that unless a man is willing to lose his life, he can't save it. Unless a man man is willing to say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, guess what? We will not inherit the kingdom of God. John 12:23 says the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am my servant will be also and my father will honor the one who serves me. Again it's all about servanthood. All again it's about emptying ourselves so that God's will can be done in our life. So his kingdom can come and so his will can be done. And you can't do that riding on a horse. You can only do it riding on a donkey. You can't do it while you're high and lifted up. You can't do it when you're filled with self. You can't do that when you're filled with me, myself, and I. God's will is only accomplished in our life when our kingdom crumbles and our will is undone. 
You see, for His will to be done, our will must be undone. It has to be undone. Isaiah saw the Lord and the Bible says He became undone. Everything about Him became undone. You see, that's the kind of relationship we got to have with God. That's the kind of relationship we got to have with Jesus Christ. That when we behold His glory, we become undone. Everything about us becomes undone. Our will becomes undone. And our wants become undone. Our glory becomes undone. It just falls apart in comparison to who He is, church. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us. And His will will never be done until ours is undone. That's what He's telling us in this prayer. You can't go into prayer with your own agenda. Understand what I'm saying? You can't go to God with your own agenda. You've got to go fully surrendered for His will to be done in your life. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about serving the King and not ourselves. It's about losing our life so that we might gain life. Losing our kingdom so that we might gain His kingdom. Losing our will so His perfect will can be done, church. Listen, the main reason Jesus was able to surrender to the Father was because He trusted the Father. Amen? He completely trusted the Father. He trusted the Father's kingship. He trusted the Father's lordship. He trusted the Father's authority. He trusted the Father's justice. Even when He was dying on a cross, when He was beaten and battered and bruised, when he was disfigured by me, he trusted his father's justice, church. That's why he was able to pray this prayer and live this prayer. Because he trusted his father's will. Completely trusted his faithful father. And thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Demonstrates that trust, not just for Jesus, but for us as well. You say, well, when you and I are willing to pray this prayer... We're saying, God, I trust you to provide my bread. When we pray this, we're saying, God, I trust you with my needs. I I trust you. I trust you with my protection. I I trust you for my my provision. I I trust your leadership and I, I trust your direction. That's what this portion of the prayer does. It demonstrates trust in the Father. I trust you with my future. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my money. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my ministry. I trust you with my spouse. I trust you with my kids. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Says, Father, I trust you with every area of my life. I trust you to do better than I can do. I trust your kingdom better than my kingdom. Your strength better than my strength. Your wisdom better than my wisdom. And if we don't pray this prayer, you know what we're saying? I don't trust you, God. I trust my wisdom more than your wisdom. I trust man more than I trust you. I trust my money more than I trust you. You know what? I know a lot of us hate to hear it. When you don't tithe and you don't give to the kingdom of God, you are saying, I trust myself with my money more than I trust you. 
That's what we're saying. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That includes our finances too. Let your will be done in my finances. Well, you know what? You can't... Yeah. If you want God's will or kingdom to come into your finances, you've got to put your finances in His kingdom. We want His kingdom to bless our finances without us ever making an investment in His kingdom. I don't know any bank out there that will give you interest on money you don't put in the bank. I've never gotten a check from a bank unless I had some money in that bank. Oh, but we want that from God. We want interest from God. And we want blessings from God. And we want money from God. We want a nice car and a nice house and nice clothes from God. When's the last time you invested in God? When's the last time God was your broker? When's the last time you called him up and said, or in the morning on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, God, I'm going to make an investment in you today. Because I trust you more with my money than I trust myself. And I trust you more than I trust Edward Jones. And I trust you more than whoever else is out there. That I put my trust in. Understand what I'm saying, church? Don't ask His kingdom to come into your life unless you're willing to invest in His kingdom. That one was for free, not even in my notes. I trust you, God. I trust you. For Jesus, it was always about the Father first, even before His bread. Even before His bread. I don't want to get too theological here, and I don't want to lose you, and I hope you can stay with me. But remember, Jesus surrendered His will in this prayer before He asked for His bread. He surrendered His will before He asked for His bread. And what that's teaching me is that if we don't first surrender our will, we will ask selfishly. If we don't first surrender our will to God... We will ask with wrong motives. We will ask selfishly. We will ask incorrectly. We will ask impetuously. We will ask improperly. If if we don't, church, surrender or first surrender our will to God, we won't ask according to God's will. If you don't surrender your will to God in prayer... If you don't surrender your prayer life to God before you ask for your bread, you're going to ask incorrectly. But when I first surrender my will to God in prayer, guess what? I will automatically pray according to God's will. When I surrender my will to God, when I go into my prayer closet and I surrender the words that I'm going to speak to God, and I give every word that I'm about to pray to God Almighty and say, God, I surrender myself. I surrender my kingdom. I surrender my will. I surrender every need that I have to you. I surrender all of my wants and all of my desires. I give them to you. What that release, what that, it sets the stage for everything we ask after that to be a According to God's will. The reason so many individuals don't pray according to His will is because they haven't surrendered their own. They go into the prayer closet with a big checklist and dump it on God without surrendering any of it to God. You see, let let me tell you it this way. 
Jesus surrendered as well before he asked for bread and he didn't care. Because when you surrender your will to God and you have this kind of trust in God, you don't care what kind of bread he gives you. You don't care if it's pumpernickel or rye. You don't care if it's white or wheat. You don't care if it's a a loaf of brioche. And you don't care if it's a little rich cracker. Because you know that if God gives it to me, it's all that I need. You know if God gives it to me, it's going to satisfy my soul. It's going to satisfy the thirsty and fill me with all good things. When you surrender your will to God and you surrender your prayers to God, you don't care what kind of bread He gives you. Amen. Because there's only one that can satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with all good things, and it's God. But He won't fill you till you empty you. Are you getting it, church? Amen. Amen, brother. We want brioche when we haven't surrendered anything and we wonder why we're getting little crackers of crumbs of crackers. Because we've not surrendered our will. We've not surrendered our prayers. What this teaches me, church, it is a complete trust in God. It's a complete trust in God that when I yield myself to Him... When I surrender myself before I ask for bread, I'm confident that whatever He gives me is everything that I need. It's everything that I need. Not more than I need, not less than I need, but everything that I need. How many of you want everything that God has for us? Then it starts with thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you go to Matthew 4... Three to four, similar kind of truth hidden within the Scripture. You find this is where Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. And it says that after fasting he was hungry. And in verse 3 it says, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, turn these stones or command that these stones become bread. And what he was wanting them to do was to satisfy his earthly fleshly hunger. Turn these bread or command that these stones be turned into bread. And what he was trying to do, two things, obviously, to step out of the Father's will. That's ultimately. The other thing he was trying to do was to get Jesus to provide his own bread and provide his own sustenance. He was trying to get Jesus to do it on his own instead of continuing to trust in the Father and rest in the Father. And he's going to do the same exact thing to you every day. He's going to try to get you to to provide your own bread instead of trusting in the Father. He's going to make you toil trying to turn stones into bread. He's going to try to get you to turn the stones of this world into something that will satisfy. He'll put a bottle in front of you and pills in front of you. He'll try to get you to get the stones of this world to satisfy the longing of a soul. And it will never happen, church. The stones of this world will never satisfy your soul. But it's what the tempter will try to do. Like he tried to tempt Jesus. Turn these stones, these earthly stones. Stones that are part of what? Guess what? My kingdom. Those stones were part of Satan's kingdom. Turn these stones into something that will satisfy you. And we try to do it every day. He points us to the stones of this world and tries to get those things to satisfy the soul. 
The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life and bottles and booze and drugs and sex and and pornography and all of those things to satisfy the hunger of the soul. Ah, But what was it Jesus said? I'm not going to use the verse that he uses right there. But in his heart, he knew. He said, my meat, my meat. The thing that satisfies me and sustains me is to do the Father's will and to finish the work of my Father. You want to know why Jesus didn't turn those stones into bread? It's because the work wasn't finished yet. God had him in the desert for a reason. And God wasn't finished with him in the desert yet. So in order to accomplish or fulfill the Father's will, Jesus, he, he wasn't going to turn those... Br- First of all, it was, it, they were Satan stones and he wasn't going to do that. But I'm trying to give you another analogy here. Is that he wasn't finished doing the Father's will yet. So he wasn't going to eat yet. He wasn't finished, church. And I'll get back to that in a little bit. But here's what's going to happen. The tempter will come to you every day. How many of you know the tempter is going to come to you just like he went to Jesus? If the tempter is going to go after Jesus, he's going to come after you and me. And he's going to tempt you at certain levels to be satisfied with the things of this world, to try to provide for yourself instead of trusting in the Father, to try to, to, to allow the stones of this world to satisfy the soul. And he's going to try to get you to step out of the Father's will, doing the Father's will, getting ahead of the Father. And not letting God accomplish what He wants to accomplish within us. When you find yourself in a desert situation being tempted, know that God is doing something. Know that God is working in you. Know that God's will is being accomplished in you. And don't give in to the temptations of the devil to run out of the desert or to satisfy yourself or to turn the situation around all on your own. Because if you do, guess what? You're going to miss the food from the Father. Because at the end of this trial, at the end of God's working and at the end of God's plan, guess who came down and fed him? It was the Father. And he didn't feed him the stones of the earth. He fed him manna from heaven. The Bible tells me that he came down with food from the Father and he put a table in front of his son. God doesn't feed his children with the stones of this earth. He feeds us from manna with heaven, church. And the only way we eat it is if we're willing to say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. If you feel like you've been eating nothing but stones, I don't think His will has been being done in your life. Oh, there's so much I want to teach you, but I don't got time. Don't settle for the stones of this earth when the Father has manna from heaven. When you say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, he feeds you far more than bread. He feeds you from heaven. He doesn't feed you from man's supply. He feeds you from heaven's supply. He reaches his hand out and you eat from the hand of the Father. When we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I don't have to toil to provide my own bread. It comes from the Father. 
Do you get what I'm saying here, church? Oh, we toil and we struggle and we strain for our provisions. When all we got to do is surrender ourselves to the Father and trust in Him and pray that His will be done in our life. And then what happens? He releases us to ask for our bread. And when we ask for bread, He gives us everything that we need, church. He gives us supernatural sustenance. Amen. And I'm not just talking, I'm not talking physical food. I'm talking spiritually and everything else we need. God doesn't just fill your earthly cupboard. He fills this cupboard with all good things. He fills the soul with nourishment. He fills the mind with soundness. He fills the heart with strength. He fills our walk with joy. He fills our song with life. He gives us everything we need, not just food for the belly, but food for the soul as well. When we're willing to say, thy will be done in our life. But the reality is the devil will come and tempt us to put our bread before God's kingdom. He will tempt us to eat our bread before we eat God's will. And that might sound weird and too theological for you. But it's exactly what the tempter did with Jesus. He was trying to get Jesus to eat his bread before the Father's will was done, before the work was finished, like I said, church. And it's why Jesus prayed the same thing later when he found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, again, faced with this bitter cup. But what what did he say? He didn't make it about his will. He didn't make it about himself. He said, not my will. But thy will be done. He was saying, let your will be done on earth as it's been designed in heaven. Jesus came down based on the design of God's will in heaven. And Jesus knew that the Father's will was not yet complete, still not yet finished. So I'm still going to obey. I'm still going to surrender. I'm still going to be the servant. It wasn't until Jesus was hanging on the cross, on Calvary's cross, when He forgave us of our sins... And He released us and He took all the wrath of God upon Him that He was able to say, it's finished. It's done. I've completed the Father's will. He never said that. His mission wasn't finished until that moment on Calvary's cross. It was always about the Father. And the reality is, listen, it has to be the same with us. It has to be every day about His kingdom coming and His will being done. I'm going to wind this down. If someone's here for the music, I'm going to call them so I can finish this out. But what we have to understand is that Jesus was always about the Father's business. And He didn't turn the stones into bread because I said at that point the Father's business was not done. He went to the cross and He died to fulfill the Father's business as well. I'm saying all of that because this portion of the prayer makes it all about the Father's business and not about ours. God's called us to do something on this earth. God's called us to be salt. He's called us to be light. He's called us to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. He's called us to be master of none but servant of all. And there's no way that we can do that unless we're willing to pray this portion of the prayer and make it part of our life, church. Jesus said to the devil, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And as we all know, God's word is God's will. And God's will is God's bread. When you do God's will, He'll sustain you. When you do God's will, He'll provide for you. When you do God's will, He'll meet every need that you have according to His riches and glory. But the reality is we have to be willing to pray this portion of the prayer every day. Why? Because every day the tempter will come. Every day the tempter will try what he tried with Jesus. And I'm only going to cover one more thing. He'll try to get you to turn the earthly stones into bread, into something that will satisfy. And he'll also take you up to the top of his mountain like he did with Jesus and showed him all the splendors of the world and all of the kingdoms of the world, the Bible says. He took them to the high mountain. Again, part of the devil's kingdom. Remember, he's ruler of the earth. Took him up to the high mountain. And the Bible says showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and all of its splendor. And he said, all of this can be yours or all of this I will give to you if you'll do one thing. If you bow down and worship me. If you let my kingdom come before your father's kingdom. If you let my will be done before your father's will is done. And he'll do the same exact thing to you, church. He'll take us up and he'll put all the splendors and the kingdoms of the world in front of our eyes. Understand this passage. Where Jesus was, there's no way he could have seen all the kingdoms of the world. There's no way he could have seen all the splendor. It was something that was supernatural. It was something deceptive that the devil had put in front of him and said, all of this showed him all of the splendor of the world and all of the, all of the kingdoms of the earth. He'll do the same thing with us. He'll put false visions in front of you. He'll put false palaces in front of you. He'll put false pleasures in front of you. And he'll say, all of this can be yours if you'll do one thing. If you let my kingdom come into your life instead of God's. If you let my kingdom be established in your life instead of God's. If you let my will be done in your life instead of God's, all of this can be yours. But what we have to realize is as false as the vision was that the devil put in front of Jesus, what he puts in front of you is false as well. Everything about this world is false. Everything about this world is empty. Everything about this world is fleeting, the Bible says. It's passing. It's fleeting. It's false. It's fake. It's a facade, church. It's fading and it's passing away, the Bible says. But how many of you know his kingdom will never come to an end? Everything down here is fleeting and passing, and yet it's the very thing the devil puts in front of us, and it's the very thing we're enticed by. We're enticed by empty things. Makes no sense to me. We're enticed by fake things and false things, false visions and empty pleasures, things that are fading and things that are passing, and yet we're given to them. Like they're gold, but they're trash. It's trash. We think they're things eternal. Oh, this will make me happy. No, it won't. It'll make you more broke than you are right now. It'll hurt you more than you're hurt right now. So this is what this whole prayer is about. It's teaching us that the tempter will come into our lives each and every day and put all of this stuff in front of us. He'll tempt us with the stones of this world. He'll tempt us with the pleasures and the palaces of this world. But when he does, we have to be willing to say, 
And this is why we have to say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to surrender to his will, church, each and every day, because each and every day the devil will come and try to get you to surrender to his will instead. When we pray our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're devoting ourselves to Jesus Christ. Amen? We're submitting to the kingship of Jesus Christ over our lives. We're surrendering to the power of his throne and the authority of his throne, to the rule of his throne, and trusting in his plan and in his promise, trusting in his provision and his will and his blessings in our life over everything else. So the ultimate question for us tonight is this. Are we willing to allow the Lord's will to be done in our life? Are we willing to let it be completed in our life, finished? In our life? Are we willing to say, You're the potter and you're the clay, and you know better for me than I do? That's the question that we have tonight. Are we willing to say, Finish your will in me? Because how many of you know God's not done with you yet? He's not done with me yet. I thank God He's not done with me yet. Amen? If you're here tonight, here's what I'm saying. And you're willing to say, after all that you've heard, and you're willing to say, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I want you to stand to your feet. If you're willing to empty yourself so that God can fill you up, here's what I'm asking. If you're willing to say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not just out there, but in me. You're up. Lift up your hand. Here's one my ask. We've got just a few minutes. I don't ever want this altar to be just a pretty thing. You know what the altar is all about? The altar is the absolute epitome of self-sacrifice. The altar was never designed as a place to ask anything from God. Never. It was always designed as a place to offer ourselves completely to God as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable. We've forgotten what this is about. Far too often we think this is a quickie mart. Come and get something from God's pantry. But what this is, it's a place of surrender. So in the last few minutes, if we're really saying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done as a sign of surrender, I'm going to ask you to come and surrender it right here at the altar. This is where we need to say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. If you're not comfortable with that, you make wherever you are an altar, but you pray that. Jennifer's going to sing, and you're just offering yourself to God. I'll just, however God leads, this is between you and God. He's asking you to empty yourself for him to be your potter and you be his clay. Go ahead and lead us. You just pour yourself out to God.